Well, I apologize. I don't have the customary PowerPoints this time around, but welcome to follow along. And I'll be, I'll be reading the scripture. We're going to start off in John chapter 10 as an introduction. Uh, so you want to go ahead and turn there. John chapter 10, verse 9. <clears throat> and the title of this message is, What Do We Have to Offer? And what I want to explore today, and this has been on my heart last couple of weeks, I want to give you a message this is not really a here, go do something kind of message. This is a encouraging realization kind of message. So this may not be a whole lot of, okay, well, this take away, I'm going to go and, and do this from now on. This is more of realizing something that we have that we need to share. So John chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking about being the good shepherd, and he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I'm so grateful that you keep guiding and giving uh, words and directions to all of us who are speaking, Lord. And I just pray that you have your full effect through this word and this, what is said and what is accomplished is what you want, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the NIV that I read. Let me read it in modern English version. Very similar, but a, a word or two that's different. Uh, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So both of these are saying, if you're saved, you'll find, he uses the analogy of a sheep finding pasture. He tells us there's a thief whose only purpose intent and intentions are to steal, kill, and destroy, and that he is bringing us life to the fullest, or life to the abundantly. I want to start off with, what does it mean when a sheep finds pasture? Because that's something he says emphatically, must be important, enters through me, will be saved, they'll go in and come out, and he's talking about like a sheep pen. So at night, you bring the sheep in. When it's dangerous and there's predators out, the sheep will find safety inside the pen. And then during the day, the shepherd takes them out to pasture where they're provided for. So safety and provision, their needs being met and them being safe. And if you're a sheep, that's a really good spot to be in. That's a good place. That's a, that's a very good promise. Then there's this thief, obviously is the devil, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's providing us abundant life. And that's great, but I want to ask something right off the bat here. Is that what you think of when you think of Christianity? Do you think of an abundant, full life? And I'm asking that because I've heard quite a few people, and I've had some feelings of my own at times, that Christianity seems... Restrictive or fearful 
uh, performance-based, maybe. A lot of do's and don'ts. A lot of critics of Christianity would say, I have to give up my fun to come and join you Christians. Is what? Which one's true? When you think of Christianity, do you think of a full, abundant life? Or do you think of what we often hear is just, well, I've got to worry about pleasing God and I've got to, there's this whole list of things I can't do anymore. And, you know, you hear people say it sometimes, you know, I can't have fun anymore. And I'm trying to ponder, I'm pondering here which one's true because I will tell you that there's a point in my life, if any of you have struggled with feelings of condemnation, always feeling like you're not doing enough for God, oh, I've been there. To the point that, I mean, to the extreme, to the point that the the condemnation of the, I just I just don't know if I'm doing enough for God. I'm not sure I'm right with God. What to the point that you catch yourself that one day almost wishing that you didn't know. The gospel, the good news, has become no longer good news because you're un, un, underneath this condemnation, this weight of the works, of the do's and don'ts, of the this this horrible burden and it was and that does not sound like abundant life to me that's not abundant life that's not full life that is oppression and that is religion and that is condemnation and there are a lot of christians i am not the only one who's experienced that i know that because i've had people uh over the years through this church come and have that exact same problem and we all seem to think we're the only ones struggling with that. Like every 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 time, it's like, well, I'm the I'm the everyone else is a happy Christian. I'm the only one going through this. And it's like you're like the fifth person who's told me you're the only one going through this. And so am I. It makes like six of us at least. That's the nature of the of condemnation and struggling with it. Is that you feel alone? Everybody else is doing great with God, and I'm just burned down and not sure I'm good enough. And that is the way. That's not. That's not what Christianity is supposed to look like and feel like. There's supposed to be abundant life. And if you're in that spot of condemnation and struggle, how hard is it to share the gospel? When's the last time that you shared something with, that you recommended something that made you miserable? <laughs> I went to this restaurant. It was terrible. You should go next week. I took a trip and it was awful. You want to come next time? You know, you, we don't really, we don't tend to encourage people to do things that are making us miserable. It's very counterintuitive. And that's a lot of, a, hey, a lot of, I know the world criticizes Christianity this way, but a lot of Christians feel this way. Like, ah, Christianity just take, you know, Sometimes we'll just have this like one little, yeah, I'll give God this much, but I still want my fun or I still want, it's like, oh, it's, it takes away our fun or our freedom or our pleasure. That's the way it feels like. But I want to talk to, is, is the good news, so when I say this title, when I say what do we have to offer, if we're going out to the world and saying, come join my religion that's secretly making me miserable, that doesn't feel like much to offer. And I think we really do have something to offer because the reality is, is our choices are not, uh, here's a bunch of worldly fun 
And then here's this restrictive religion that I'm trying to keep up with, but it's secretly making me miserable. Our actual choices are the devil stealing, killing, destroying us, and a good shepherd, Jesus, who gives us abundant life. Those are our actual choices. So how do we, how do we get that? How do we live there? How do we wrap our heads around that? God is, God is too small in our eyes, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, Joseph was sharing there, if you're, if you're putting restrictions on God, he's too small in your eyes. That is, yeah, that's true. I want to go to, I want to start, try to dry, dive into what is this abundant life? So this is great. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give it to you abundantly. And like, okay, well, or fully, full life. What does that mean? So I'm going to go to, and I know that Pastor Chad is preaching on Galatians, and I apologize in advance if I'm stealing his thunder, but this is Galatians 5, and he's not here, he's not there yet on the, on the expository preaching in Evansville, so I think I'm okay. Yes, Galatians chapter 5. I have to figure out how to give him a hard time about that somehow. So Galatians 5, 18 through 23. And if you're like me, you're like, oh, okay, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, well, I've heard these messages before. Well, give, give me the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe this is something that'll be uh, something different. Heard plenty of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. Let me go ahead and read it. We'll dive into it. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I tell you, to the Jewish mindset, you heard that, that would just blow your mind. You're like, wait, what? Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, some translations will say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. I want to take this in light of what Jesus says in John 10. I want to say, here's, here are the same two choices, but in list form. Broken down a little bit for us. So the devil still kill and destroy. Here's his, um, what he likes to use. Acts of the flesh, and here is the good shepherd giving us full life, fruit of the spirit. I want to break these down. I want to start off with this premise. Everybody knows this fruit of the spirit are these are good attributes. I know a lot the world and the doubts that they will try to cast on this. All the Bible's crazy, or you guys are crazy. The Bible's not telling us to stand on our heads or something like that. It's telling us attributes that we all understand. Even the most atheistic, godless person knows these are good things to have. Love and joy and peace and and patience and all of these. So, let's break let's break this down a little bit. When you look at our world today, I'm going to submit to you that as a 
our American culture has moved very far away from our Christian heritage. And we've had times like this over our 200-plus year history. We've had times we've fallen away from God, and we've had what's called the Great Awakenings. There's been two of those that were massive revivals. There's been smaller revivals happened throughout the 20th century. Um, so there's been times our country has fallen away from God, and God has brought back a great revival. I'm hoping for a third Great Awakening, personally. So we've had, and that is a cycle nations tend to go through. That's not unique to the United States. That has happened a lot of nations. The uniqueness, really, of the United States, how long we've been able to endure with a Christian heritage. As much as we, uh, as much as in the course of my life, I've heard the American church criticized the fact that we're still, that there still is an American church this long and has provided a Christian foundation for this country as long as it has is actually really impressive. And it's a heritage that we should be very thankful for. Uh, the majority of the Bibles, I think it's something, it's over 90% of the Bibles in the world in existence were printed in the United States. And that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> it's not, there's, nobody does missions work or spreads the gospel, the amount of money that the United, the church in the U.S. has put into it. Like, if you want to look at who's done the most to spread the gospel the past 200 years, it's the United States. It's not somebody else. It's the American church. So something to appreciate there. But I know the last several decades, our culture has pretty rapid, has, has had a rapid shift towards a humanist worldview instead of a biblical worldview. A lot of it to do with our education system, a lot of it to do with our media, and now it's a lot in our politics. So we have seen the past few decades the shift, and what's the result? Well, our suicide rate continues to climb. Not just numbers. Now, let me clarify. Our population is growing, so more suicides, you'd say, okay, well, that's more just because of population. It's not just the numbers, it's the rate. I still bring this up because it still bothers me. The second, lead of cause, the second leading cause of death for 10-year-olds is suicide. And that I have a 10-year-old niece. That bothers me. And that's true all the way from age 10 to 35. That's the second leading cause of death for that age group is suicide. How are we doing um, sexual immorality? How are we doing? Yeah. So, so I'm going to go through these. Sexual immorality, impurity. I've broken them down to groups here. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery also known as lewdness. Sex outside of marriage, pornography, passions out of control. The world doesn't always say that that's good, but it does say it's normal or natural. This list of things that are acts of the flesh, the world at times will criticize, but for the most part says these are normal, acceptable human behaviors. Idolatry and witchcraft. I mean, does that still happen? You know, you read it in the Bible, and they have this stone, this stone idol, and or, or witchcraft. Yeah, it does. And I know, hey, it'd be really easy to point out, hey, idolatry and witchcraft. You know, there are plenty of false religions. There's plenty of of pagan uh, New Age. Uh, there's plenty of um, everything from fortune telling to Terra to 
all all kinds of new age beliefs and and demonic activity, Ouija boards and all kinds of things that the world finds fun to play with. It's not new. Yeah. Yeah. Not new. It's been rebranded. This, yeah, I could easily point to that. And yes, that's a problem. I just want to, First Samuel 15 tells us, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So in case we say, hey, well, you know, we don't necessarily have like a stone statue people are bowing down to. Hey, there's no bigger idol than self. And honestly, when you get into humanism, you get into science. This is not in my notes. I'm, I'm uh, free willing here a little bit. Just stick with me. Our mo- modern science tends to say, look how smart we are, how advanced we are, how sophisticated we are. And they look at pagans bowing down to idols and they, uh, pagans worshiping the sun or the moon or the stars and they say, oh, how primitive. And then you ask a scientist, an evolu- uh, a neo-evolutionist, uh, where did we come from? And they say, well, everything in our bodies came from stars. That's where all elements come from. And to understand where we came from, we have to we have to look at the sun and the moon and the stars and see, to see where we came from and where our place is in the universe. I'm like, sounds familiar. <laughs> Didn't you just make fun of that other guy for those people in the past for the saying? Are, are you not worshiping, finding your place, and giving credit to these heavenly bodies for your creating you? It's the same thing. Uh, there was a poster of space, uh, in a science classroom that's space dust and said, Behold the hand of God, because crediting, you know, the universe made us through natural processes. And how is that not worshiping nature the same way that has always been paganism? Witchcraft can also be manipulation and controlling people. It may not be with spells, but it may be lying and deceit, trying to manipulate, control people. It's a lot like witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of rage. Oh, we don't have that in our society, do we? It's like, spend five minutes on social media. Let let me know what you find. (laughs) The world would tell you, well, hatred's bad. But there sure is a lot of it around. For something that's bad. Anywhere, if you want to understand kind of how are we doing as far as human nature goes, look at examples where humans don't feel like they're going to be held accountable. So online, there's no real sense of accountability. You can hide, your, there's a distance, you can you, you lash out from your computer or your phone or whatever. Uh, a mob, a, 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 a group of people where, well, there, we're a group of people. They, they, I individually won't be held responsible, what's called the mob mentality. How do we as human beings behave when we have that no sense of accountability? Riots, rage on social media. If you've even, uh, I mean, Recently, I was playing a video game that where you know your teammates can interact with you, and I have and hate messages sent to me, and the other players, the other members of the team, 
are either like little kids or grown men. And so I'm like, which one's worse? Am I, am I, should I be concerned that this middle school student is streaming profanity at me? Or should I be concerned that this grown man is doing that and doesn't know if I'm a kid or an adult and could be belittled and is lashing out at what could be a nine-year-old girl for all he knows? Which one's, which one's worse? I, I typically think the grown man's behavior is worse, but I'll, I'll give the kid a pass, but I'm con- still concerned. But that particular game, I've looked online, and that game has this continuing struggle of how do we put safeguards to protect people from each other? <laughs> how to protect m- people playing this game from being so, you know, that ways where you can report how abusive other people are being. If we're, if we're doing a great job as human beings, why would that even be necessary? Because as soon as you take accountability away, strangers will treat each other terribly. Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. All I put there was politics and class warfare. Because I think that pretty well sums that up. Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy. You can't hardly look at what's going on around our world and not see our society right now, not see people jealous of somebody else. I want what someone else has. I'm angry that this person has this or that. And I don't care which political party you're for. You can find that in any, in every corner of politics. I want what someone else has. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The party life. And I know people who have, I constantly hear this. People living, maybe they don't, and they may have some sort of moral standards where they don't do all of this, or they know some of this is bad or some is not. But I've known people that, that live like this or wish they could live like this. You hear the person, well, if I won the lottery, I would just go out and party all the time. Then you look at celebrities who actually can do that. Celebrities or professional athletes, they have all this wealth, and they go out and party all the time, and then they're getting arrested or they're in rehab. Or they're divorced again. Or they're, I mean, their lives are a mess. They have the ability to do whatever they want and they're a wreck. It looks as if they're dying, they're being robbed, they're dying, and they're being destroyed. Exactly the enemy's work. This is exactly what's happening to them. Our human nature takes us to some really bad places. And I've known people who have, who the world tells me are a lot better off than I am. I've had friends that are, you know, really good looking guy. He's got these party scene. He's got plenty of friends to go out and get drunk with. This could be a friend, a coworker. Go out and get, go out and party. Um, have all these, all these women in their lives and all the, and they just, and some, they have sat down and told me, I'm so miserable. I'm so depressed. I'm so, they have to keep, that party up because if they ever stop partying and realize and take a real inventory of their lives, they can't stand it. It's crushing to them to the point that they've shocked me at time. At least one guy shocking me, telling me that he was envious of me. I'm going, you've got everything that the world says that you're way cooler than I am, but he's miserable. 
And he was, he wished he had my set of circumstances. I'm like, wow, okay. And you know what? He's doing a whole lot better now because he, now he's settled down with a Christian wife and raising a family and he's do and he got right with God and he's doing a lot better now. And I know others who knew the Lord and they've gone away from it and they've gone to the party life and they say, I'm so free now. I'm not, I'm not bound by the Bible anymore. I'm so free. And then we sit down and we talk and they spend half an hour telling me how miserable they are. I'm serious. Honestly, like, like, I don't know. I hardly know anybody as miserable as you. Why? You're telling me you're so free. This is awful. Like, you're not, you might, you might feel free, but you're definitely not happy. So what's the other side of that? I think, now I could easily go through a real deep study of, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. I think a lot of these are pretty self-explanatory. Love. We know that's a good, we know that's a wonderful thing, right? That's what we're people, not just us, not just Christians, but doesn't everybody genuinely want real love, true love at some, love that says, it's genuine and I'm committed to you. And even if you mess up, I'll still love you and forgive you. And doesn't everybody want that? Joy. Joy is peace. The Greek word can also mean inner gladness. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not just temporal happiness. It's a genuine internal. I'm glad and I'm, I feel pleasure. And even if things are going wrong, doesn't everybody want that? This is this is what I'm trying to accomplish here. I want us to start realizing we don't have this bizarre alien message that we're trying to give the world. We're actually trying to show the world a way for the very thing that they need and want. And they claim that these other things will get them to that point, and it really doesn't. Peace. Doesn't everybody want a true sense of security? That's the biggest thing. People, people love to have a sense of security. I feel, I feel secure. I feel safe. Even if things are going wrong, there's a grounded, established, ultimately, I'm going to be okay. I'm secure. That only comes from the Lord. The situation with Ukraine, I heard a journalist say, hey, I know, you know, so many of us thought we were past the time where a nation would try to take over another nation. And I'm looking like, what planet has this guy been living on? And things in Ukraine are horrible, but the things that have been happening in Egypt and South America and, and Africa have, there's been, there's been no time where war stopped. There's been times that we in the U.S. ignore what's happening in other places. But there's never been a stop to war. Human nature has not evolved. It's not gotten better. It really hasn't. And now we see all oh, these horrible things in Ukraine. Yes, and I agree, horrible. But those horrible things have been happening this whole time. At no point did we get to a point where, oh, we've, we've evolved past war. I, I was astonished to hear that. I'm going, this is the same thing the League of Nations did prior, after World War One. at that time was called the Great War because you, they weren't planning on having a second one. After the Great War, they established the League of Nations. It was the predecessor to the United Nations. And its stated goal was, we will no longer have war. We will settle things between nations. 
through this League of Nations and war will no longer happen. What was the result? World War II. Epic fail. Uh, tried to appease Hitler, let him, let him, uh, thought he was a, several countries thought he was a great guy. Time Magazine named him Man of the Year in 1936. We'll just, we'll work it out with him. Yeah, yeah. World War II. That, that's our human ability apart from God to have peace. We're not good at it. We're much better at war, fighting each other. We're determined to do that in our nature. Forbearance or patience. Healthy self-denial. Say, no, I shouldn't do that. Endurance also. I should keep doing these. I should, I should keep not doing those things. Kindness, compassion for others, thinking about others. Goodness, a ju- sense of justice to doing what is right. Faithfulness, uh, committed consistency. Commitment, consistency, gentleness, not being overly harsh, being sympathetic, not provocative, self-control, disciplined, both in not just what we should not do, but what we should do. Does anybody think these are bad things? Does the world go around saying, "No, you, you Christians advocating this, uh, these uh, ideas of, of you know, goodness and or peace, you, you guys are crazy." This is exactly what the world needs, and deep down, if you can get people to be honest, it is what they want too. But it, none of these are achievable through human efforts. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Now, typically a message on fruit of the Spirit is, okay, here's this list of things that you guys need to do as Christians so you can have more of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't have that message for you today. What what that chapter says, and I'm not saying that's a bad message. We all need more of that. But this message today is not, you need to have more of this, and you need to go and have this to-do list to try to make more of these in your life. What Scripture says in this chapter is, follow the Spirit instead of your own flesh. And there's a part of me that wants to take that chapter and go, it cannot be that simple. <laughs> You're supposed to give me like a, a, a project or a list of things to do. And it says, follow the Spirit and not your flesh, and that will lead you to these things. And that is what we have to offer the world. That's part of this message that we have of the gospel, the good in the good news not just eternity, and if it was just heaven versus hell, that would that's that's huge. How can you ever? I mean, that that's eternity is gigantic. That would be more than enough to say we got to go preach. But it's also in this life, in this life, in this existence, we have the world that we're watching the enemy rob from them, kill them, and destroy everything about them. And we as Christians have access to this good shepherd, this fruit of the Spirit that is exactly the things that this world needs in this life. It's not just heaven and hell. There is a real difference. God's ways actually work in this world, in this existence, in this life. And that's what we can share with others. And if we don't realize how good this message is, it's hard to share it with other people. If we're not experiencing these things in our lives, how can we tell other people about it? Where do you get the 
where do you get that sense of, I actually want to share this with people? Like I said, if you had a bad experience somewhere, you're probably not going to recommend somebody else go and do that. So I want to encourage us today, and I'm getting pretty close to the challenge section, so if the worship team wants to come back up, get ready. So, look at all the notes that I skipped while I was going off on my own. That's all right. That's all right. Well, I want to close rereading John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I want to ask you today, are you having that full, abundant life? And if you're not, I've got some good news for you. You are entitled and you have access to those fruit of the Spirit. And so often I have heard a message on fruit of the Spirit and said, oh, it's a list of things I'm supposed to try to go out and practice and make happen in myself. And what it really is is those are right there for us. And we can choose to listen to the Spirit and receive those. It's more about receiving those from the Spirit than trying to make those things happen in ourselves. We can't actually make these things happen. If we could, humanism would be working. <laughs> if we could achieve this on our own, there are a lot of smart people, a lot of intelligent capacity that are humanist or secular and are trying their best to figure out how to make... They're trying to create these very things in, hu- in humans. This is exactly what they say we need. It's funny. You can go to the bookstore and find uh, shelves of self-help, self-help books. What do they say? Well, you need to be more disciplined. You need to have a more of a sense of peace. You need to be kind to each other. And you're like, I've read that somewhere before. Isn't there another? <laughs> isn't there another book that says that? Yeah, and it was written quite a quite a while ago too. If if we could create these things our own, we'd everybody have them because they're good, enjoyable attributes. These come from the Spirit. So I'm going to go ahead and and pray. I'm going to give the worship team some time to worship. I just ask you to take this to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, if I'm not excited about, or I don't feel like I have much to offer the world around me, Lord, help me to to see what, what you've actually given me and walk in it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit and that fruit that you produce in us. Lord, let us comprehend this amazing, as best we can, this amazing gift you've given us for the world around us. Teach us how to share it with one another. But Lord, teach us to first and foremost to, speak, to be excited about what you've done. It's a lot easier to share something with other people, Lord, if we're excited about it to begin with. Let us be encouraged today. Let us find these attributes in you, Lord. And if anything in our lives is out of a line, uh, out, of a, out of step, if we're being fleshly and not walking in the Spirit, show that to us today, Lord, we pray. Amen.
developing the fruit of the Spirit is a lifelong process. So I hope that I can encourage you towards... I don't want anybody to live underneath that condemnation or the feeling that Christianity is miserable because I know what that feels like. It's awful. Okay, so if you're at any point you're struggling with that, I'd be happy to talk with you. We, leadership of this church would be happy to pray with you. we all be happy to pray with you, talk with you about that. But just know that it is a fruit of the spirit is a lifelong journey, journey in developing in all of us. We're all we're all growing and learning in that. But I hope that that is what we think of when we think of Christianity, not a restrictive religion that makes us miserable. Also, want to say I know we have a service in Evansville, but if you need. When you're here on Sunday mornings at Henderson location, if you need us to pray with you, we will make time to pray with you. If you need extra time for, if there needs to be time for extra ministry, we, we will we will make that happen. We will we will rearrange what we need to rearrange. Make sure that there's someone here for you. I always want, want you to always know that. Always feel always feel that freedom. Don't feel like you have to run out. If you need prayer or ministry time, we are here. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll go ahead and close us in prayer, but you know, feel free if you need prayer, feel free to come up, be happy to pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for today, for beautiful worship, for encouragement, Lord. And I pray that that's what that that's what has accomplished here, Lord, is encourage encouraging us in you, Lord. I ask you to bless this day, be with all of our church family here, Lord, as we leave. And we just, we thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.